Hi, Jeremy here. Thank you so much for tuning in to one of my legacy podcast episodes. This episode was part of my original brand name that I unfortunately can no longer use. However, I wanted to keep these episodes up and running purely for your entertainment and to continue to offer exposure and appreciation to all of my guests that came on. There was a lot of love and work put into them, and I just didn't have the heart to take them all down. All of the external links in the description have been changed to reflect what I am currently offering, and I have gladly retained all of our special guests' links. Please be sure to check them out and disregard any mentions of my former brand announcements. I do hope you'll enjoy this legacy podcast episode as much as I had recording it. Remember to take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you very much, and I'll always be here for whenever you remember why. Enjoy! Welcome, it's Nostalgic Magic. On this episode, I speak with actress Zuri Terrell about the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, muppetational, The Muppet Show. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Nostalgic Magic. And guess what? Today I have a wonderful guest on. I met her actually when she was a student and I was a teacher of sorts when she went to St. Joseph's College in Brooklyn, New York. She is a working musical theater artist and theater artist in her own right. And I am so excited to talk all about The Muppet Show with this guest of mine, Zuri Terrell. Zuri, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing very well. I'm just really excited to talk about this subject. And I just, I, I was going kind of through my Facebook friends and I was like, who do I know that always posts about the Muppets in general? And it's you. And I was like, there's no other question of who I needed to just discuss the Muppet show with. And so Zuri, thank you so much for coming on with me. Oh, thank you for having me. It's, I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. I'm so glad you're thrilled and we're going to have some fun today. So before we actually get started talking about The Muppet Show, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. I am an actor, singer, performer here based in New York City. During quarantine, I've made some short films, TikTok videos, done some Zoom shows. I'm actually getting ready to work on a couple more that I'm a part of, which I'm really excited about. Oh, and I used to be a former cast member at Disney World during my college years. So that was a lot of fun. That's something I didn't know. Yeah, I've worked there from 2011 to 2016. It was a wonderful experience. And this is before I, actually, this is after I've moved to Florida. Um, I still have family down there. But even before my family and I moved down there, we took our first trip to Disney World and it was a lot of fun. One of my favorite moments was when getting to meet the Kermit and Miss Picky outside of the Muppet Vision 3D attraction. So they had like walk around characters of Kermit and Miss Picky. I thought Miss Piggy kind of basically looks the same. Fabulous red dress, red gloves, and jewelry <laughs> ever. And then Kermit, I mean, you can tell it's him, but it was just like, and you don't look like exactly on the TV or in the attraction, but we know it's you. And but it was just a lot of fun. And we got their autographs that they actually had to like use those stamp things to let mm-hmm. them know, like, you know, this is Miss Piggy's autograph, this is Kermit's autograph. Then we got a picture. Mm-hmm. And then even my little brother, got to like kiss her hand. And I thought that was like, Jay, why would you do that? And, you know, I thought it was like a very sweet moment. We 
got the pictures back at home and it was just um, one of my favorite memories and it was just a lot of fun. Uh, that's great. And, you know, I remember seeing that for the first time when I went, when I was in third grade, it was 94. So I must've been uh, turning, I was eight turning nine. So when I went to see that for the first time, I was blown away. It became one of my favorite spots to visit at uh, MGM. And that's another key to the puzzle for my love of the Muppets. So I'm yeah. really happy that you were able to not only work for Disney, but that you were able to also experience that like firsthand. That's such a cool memory. Yeah. And even like um, during my moments off, I would just go to the parks and if there was like nothing else to do or just wanted to get some EC, just go into the attraction and <laughs> um, watch the show. And the pre-show is hilarious. I love the pre-show. It's amazing. Like, um, should I get, like, should I give it away? Like, uh, or... You know, I have a feeling that whoever does go to Disney, you're in for a treat because yes. that is literally Muppets writing at its finest. Absolutely. It's exactly in the pocket. It's where it needs to be. And it's just, it's just hysterical. Mm-hmm. I think it was like one of the last projects too that Jim Henson did um, with the yes, Muppets. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it even more special. Mm-hmm. going to Disney to work under Mickey Mouse. That's been a dream of mine and my wife's for years. And we're actually going to Disney World next week as of this recording. And it's going to be my son's first time. So we're really excited. That's so cool. I haven't been to Disney World in like three years, quite honestly. I, I want to go back. I can't wait until like um, it's safe to like hug my characters again and get on the rides and all that stuff. I, I, I miss it a lot. I miss it too. And my wife always misses this. She wishes she could go every year, but you know, we just yeah. can't go every year, but it's been about five years since we went, but we're really excited for my son to experience in the first time. And I believe they still have the Muppet show 3d or the Muppets vision 3d still up. They so do. Yep. that's great to know because I really want him to at least see that the Muppets are still a thing. Cause yeah. In preparation for our podcast today, I've watched pretty much every episode of my DVD collection of seasons one through three. So he's been watching it with me and, <laughs> and it's just wonderful for him to see this kind of a show. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to rent the DVDs at my local library at the time when I was living in Florida. Technically, that was my first introduction of The Muppet Show. Before we get into the Muppet Show, what were some of your like favorite movies or TV shows or franchises growing up? And which of these is the most nostalgic for you? Oh my goodness. As a 90s kid, I grew up watching shows from PBS Kids, Saturday morning cartoons. Some of them were on Disney Channel and then they bring them over to like Saturday morning lineup on, on ABC, I want to say. Yeah, because I remember the theme for Disney's One Saturday Mornings, like they would show like Recess, Pepper Ann, and then later on they switched to ABC Kids where they would show shows from Disney Channel like The Proud Family, That's a Raven. That was part of my childhood in my tween years. Yeah, as far as PBS kids shows, I grew up on Arthur, Mr. Rogers, The Big Comfy Couch, so many incredible shows, and of course Sesame Street because like that's the iconic show. I didn't grow up on cable, so again, it was always like PBS Kids, Saturday Morning Cartoons at my house. But whenever I go to a relative's house or visit a friend's with cable, that was always a treat. So I was able to check out all the shows on Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network. So great time to be a kid watching television during during the 90s and early 2000s. 
Oh, especially during the 90s when we had the renaissance of animation, we got caught in a really good time for growing up with animation and especially children's programming. And I'm so glad that you mentioned uh, Mr. Rogers because I grew up in Mr. Rogers, Shining Time Station, and of course, Sesame Street, which, you know, brings everything back around to what we're talking about today. And my son also, you know, has watched Sesame Street and he adores those characters. And now on Disney Channel, they have Muppet Babies, which is the reboot for preschool show. I grew up on the original Muppet Babies too. I was like, so did I. Yes. Yeah. Huge show. But I mean, CBS is a really interesting company to try and get things in syndication. So it's very difficult for us to see Muppet Babies as we saw it when we were kids, because a lot of the references that they made in that show, you have to pay heavy licensing for. And a lot of the references are very hard to come by in terms of getting the rights to do those kinds of skits like we had them in the 80s, you know, so things right. have changed with digital and everything. But um, I'm just really happy that they're going to be bringing them up a show to Disney Plus. Me too. I was yeah. like, it's about time. I know, like, about like time. Demanding it, uh, especially and- like during quarantine. Like you can like easily binge watch that like through all of quarantine, like 120 episodes of it. Come on. Easily, easily. Yes. So what was your first experience with the Muppets or, or a Jim Henson property in general? Do you remember it where you were or how old you were? I don't remember exactly the time and place, like with Sesame Street and Muppet Babies and even Fraggle Rock, because I my mom would give me like the videotapes for them. It just always stuck with me for the longest time because like I would wore out those tapes like constantly every day. Sometimes I would even like recite lines from the shows from all of them back to back. And they're just wonderful shows. And I'm very fortunate enough to have grown up on those shows. As far as the Muppet show, I want to say it's weird because I somehow ended up watching them when I was on vacation with my family. And then I happened to see the Muppets on TV. I was like, oh, cool. But why does Miss Piggy look different? Why does Gonzo look different? And why does Fozzie look different? And there was an episode from season one with Bruce Forsyth as the guest star. Didn't know who he was at the time. I was like, okay, cool. I just knew the Muppets were on TV. And like the only characters I thought that looked the same were only Kermit the Frog and Roth the dog. And I was like, hmm, I don't know what the show is, but okay. But I know who these characters are, but they look different and only Kermit and Roth look the same. And then... I guess in my teen years, when they released the first DVD collection of The Muppet Show, I went to my library, wanted to check it out. And I was like researching who Jim Henson was at the time, like what shows he've done, got the DVDs. And then I, I thought that was the first Muppet Show that they've ever done. It was not. Turns out it's Sam and Friends from the 50s. Saw the DVDs. I thought it was great. And then I came back to that episode. It was just like, oh my gosh, I remember seeing this as a kid. That's what this is. Holy cow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with it ever since. I love your story and how you actually were introduced to our subject today of The Muppet Show when you when it was a little bit later in your life. And mm-hmm. there is some kind of nostalgia for that moment is really special because nostalgia doesn't always only hit us when we're kids. It can hit us when we're older as well. And I'm so glad that you brought up that you went to like your local library to get the DVDs and bring them back with you. That's really cool because I used to do that a lot too. It's fun to 
look back and try to remember when your first time watching them was and everything. I always had the Muppets in my life. I don't really recall a first time either, which I think makes it more special. But my nostalgic memories of the Muppets, uh, specifically the Muppet show, are actually at my mother's parents, my grandmother and grandfather's house. They used to record the episodes from the television for one of my cousins, who is a huge Muppets fan. And they're a couple of years older than me. So they recorded shows from the syndicated run off of television with the commercials and everything. And they just and they just held on to those VHS tapes. So those were the tapes that I watched when I was a kid and going over to visit them at their house. So those are my earliest and most nostalgic memories surrounding The Muppet Show. A couple of episodes to note on that end are the episodes with Bob Hope, Julie Andrews, Brooke Shields, and the 30th anniversary of the Muppets special. Yeah, that's a great one. I've, I've seen that one on YouTube many, mm-hmm. many times. Yeah, and my favorite holiday special ever is A Muppet Family Christmas. Yes, such a classic. I actually rented that one from the library too, and then I got to see the full version on YouTube because I know there was a cut song that they did with the Muppet Babies um, when they did Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I was like, why did they cut that song? Yeah, licensing, you know, it's just yeah. one of those things. Yeah, I know. And, and there's another segment that I think they cut from the DVD, if I'm not mistaken, was when Fozzie and the snowman are singing yep. um, outside in the snow, which yep. is actually one of my favorites because Rolf is playing an out-of-tune piano and they're playing it in E-flat, which is my favorite key. So I'm like, oh, yeah. this is perfect. <laughs> like how they transition from like him playing the piano inside and like somehow they just they just need to sing the song outside. Right, exactly. That's the magic of the Muppets. And yeah. of course, they had all of the Jim Henson franchises in that one special, which really makes it extra special because you're not going to get that anymore. Everything has been right. split. Yeah. I remember like um, watching the Sesame Street characters come on. I got like super excited. I was like, oh my gosh, they're here too. And then Fraggle Rock coming in, joining in the fun. I was like, yes, love a good crossover. And especially with just all of like the Muppets that Jim Henson created and like all those worlds that Jim Henson created. It was just, it's always nice to kind of see them together. Yeah. Worlds is absolutely spot on with a man like Jim Henson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so before we actually get into some of our questions, uh, just for some of our listeners out there who are wondering about the Muppet show, the Muppet show is coming to Disney plus, but it is a, actually an originally a comedy television series created by Jim Henson featuring the Muppets with an original run from 1977 through 1981. And it has won five primetime Emmy Awards, one for writing, some for performances, and one in 1978 for outstanding comedy as a variety or music series. This show was world-renowned, and there would be places that clamored to gather around as a village around the one television set to watch this show once a week. That's how special the Muppet Show became. And as the series continued, there were celebrities that clamored to be on this show just to be part of the whimsy and the zaniness of it. And, and you know, it's interesting looking back now because the Muppets have been a staple in our lives just being there. But for people who didn't necessarily grow up with the Muppets, seeing a show like this and seeing it actually be successful is quite an anomaly. Mm, Yeah, most definitely. 
Yeah. And our point of views, our generation, you know, already having it established, we now understand the impact that it had on what we know today as the Muppets and all of the franchises that went along with it. But since the Muppet show is coming to Disney plus on February 19th, what elements of the show are you most nostalgic for, or what are some of the elements of the show that are your favorite? I'm just looking forward to seeing everything. Just the Muppets being in their prime during the show's run. is just incredible. Like the comedy, the music, the balance between comedy, irony, and sweetness, their uniqueness, It's a classic variety show that's the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, Muppetational. Muppetational. Yes, it is a (laughs) classic and it's just so good. Even though I've only seen three seasons of it and I'm still waiting. I've seen a few episodes from seasons four and five because there's no DVD release of it yet. Right. But it's just incredible. And some of my favorite sketches are Veterinarian's Hospital, Pigs from Space, the talkbacks with the guest stars, some of them were scripted, some were not. I do enjoy those. I'm just excited for everything about the show. I remember when I heard about it for the first time, I was like, oh, somehow they got all of the season four and five licensing through for digital entertainment. Because now they have Star Wars and they were yep. guests on the show. And yep. I'm sure that there were songs or guest stars that probably asked for a lot of residuals if the DVDs come out and Disney or Buena Vista at the time just couldn't handle that kind of money. You know, it, it's really going to be awesome to see those two other seasons that we weren't able to really get our hands on unless somebody videotaped them and put them on the Internet. Right. So it is going to be pretty awesome to see some of those other episodes. Let's actually dive into some of these references. And then as we go into the references, we'll actually dive into like the biggest part of our podcast today, which is going to be about our favorite guest stars and our favorite skits, but also kind of diving in on the nostalgia of it all. So some of the references in The Muppet Show were already dated by the time the show first aired from 1977 through 81 and, you know, for the five seasons that it had. And all of the references are dated today, for sure. However, do you think that this will help open up a window for younger viewers to research those references by, say, asking their parents or grandparents if they're watching the show together or at the same time? Oh, absolutely. For me, from a personal perspective, the Muppets, in any of the shows, they really introduced me to all like these iconic and legendary guest stars that I had no idea like who they were at the time. So that was like a nice way to um, introduce me to them. And also just kind of made me want to, in my later years, want to like go down the rabbit hole of like who these people are, not just like the guest stars, but also who's working on the show, like who's performing the Muppets, who's doing the behind the scenes stuff. And I remember since being a kid seeing like, oh, Jim Henson Productions or Walt Disney Pictures, Disney Home Videos. I was like, okay, who are these people? You see their name pop up so many times. It's like, okay. Let me see who you really are. So yeah, I just went down the rabbit hole of who Jim Henson was and who Walt Disney was. And that led me to looking up who are all these incredibly talented Muppet performers are and get to know a little bit about them while some of them are like have passed on and some of them who are like still with us. So there's like two documentaries that you should check out. There is Of Muppets and Men, The Making of the Muppet Show. I think it was also based off a book. It talks about the behind the scenes stuff from Jim Henson's perspective on how they did the Muppet show and to getting the guest stars and how the show works. It's just incredible. And the recent one that 
got released a couple of years ago, I want to say, is Muppet Guys Talking. And it's with Frank Oz, who also directed the film, Fran Brill, Dave Golds, Jerry Nelson, and Bill Beretta. It's just what the title says, Muppet Guys Talking. They just talk about experience of working on the Muppet show and also different Muppet projects that they've worked on over the years. I think Bill and Dave are like the only ones who are still kind of doing it right now. And of course, they've gotten new puppeteers at the time that have taken on the torch of what Jim Henson left behind. And it's just incredible to see that work continue on for a long time to come. It's great that you, uh, and especially for the Muppet enthusiasts out there, it's great that you say Muppet performers, because a lot of people will say, oh, they voice this Muppet. I'm like, no, they perform like, no, as no, the no, Muppet. No, 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 no. They do it all. They do it all. It's they like- do it all. Yeah, if you watch like the behind the scenes videos, it may seem easy to some people, but it is not. I've also been able to go, go to the Museum of Moving Image where they have the Jim Henson exhibit. If you're ever in New York, when the world opens back up, go to it. It's amazing. And they also have this section where you can like try out different puppets like they did back in the 50s. And I tried operating with like two puppets at one time. It is not easy, y'all. It's difficult. And I've also been to the Museum of the Moving Image when the exhibit first opened as a temporary exhibit before it became a permanent addition. Mm -hmm. And going through that exhibit really did open up a little bit more of a window to what I thought I already knew. Because I had because I had read the Jim Henson biography that came out several years ago. And I figured I knew enough knowledge about uh, Jim Henson, his life and his creations to, you know, kind of walk through this exhibit and kind of already know a lot of things here and there. But what I loved about that exhibit is that you actually see the process and what really went into working on this show. Even the basic dialogue of that show, everything down below what the camera sees is choreographed, all of that movement, because these performers had to make sure they knew exactly where to go to keep everything free flowing and everything moving so naturally to an audience's perspective on a, a television box yeah. and having those monitors down on the ground to see everything that they're doing, being able to work backwards like that is yeah. very difficult, especially from somebody like me now, who's seeing it all the time, doing something like Twitch and all of my actions are reversed. So it's actually good training for me when I do right. my Muppet, who everybody who is listening will eventually meet and going along with your love of the Muppets and your knowledge as well. I also did a lot of research on the performers and what they did afterwards and how they were introduced to Jim and the work that they put in on their own, how Jim distributed everybody to do other projects based on not only their tenure, but also on their work ethic. Oh, yeah. uh, like uh, Jerry Nelson basically was given the reins to be the lead on Fraggle Rock. Yeah. And you get somebody towards the end of Henson's you know, life, as short as it unfortunately was, somebody like Kevin Clash and Steve Whitmire, yep. who kind of came in, quote unquote, a little bit later into the game, but were able yeah. to carry on what he did. And then you get somebody like Bill Beretta, who actually, if I'm not mistaken, came on after Henson's passing. So it was I basically, so, yeah. yeah, it was basically him being the now Muppet master along with Dave Gulls, mm -hmm. who is now carrying everything forward, but only having been a student of the teachers. Right. Yeah. Same with some of the um, other Muppet performers too. Um, most of them have like worked on Sesame Street and Avenue Q. I love how they're still carrying the torch 
who knows? Like I, it's hard to imagine a world without the Muppets. It's like, it's so ingrained in you, especially like they're just a part of you. And it's just hard to imagine life without it. So I'm, yeah. I'm very grateful that they're still carrying on the legacy and Mm-hmm. of the Muppets. And there's something interesting about the Muppets too, that they have this get up here with your two left feet, put me down humor. That's so relatable and it's yeah. so engaging because all of us feel that. So when a movie like the Muppets from 2011 comes out and you're seeing how broken down the, the theater is and how everybody split up and the glue that keeps them together is them being able to be so different and have that kind of camaraderie and have Kermit at the center of it all to bring everybody together, but it's his own will to keep everybody together. And so you see it in the the Muppet show itself, how everyone rallies around Kermit, the dynamic of all of these skits, which we'll get into just works from a very, a very human aspect yeah, it's very human and it's a very human connection to these items made of felt that the performers are not very precious about anyway. Mm-hmm. It's quite an interesting perspective from their point of view that they're not precious for these items, but yet they make these performances work. I think that also applies to how everybody was working with Jim Henson, too, because I don't want to say like Kermit and Jim Henson are exactly the same. I mean, it's, it's definitely a major part of Jim Henson. But the way that he was able to like get everybody together from the performers, the writers, the designers and builders to the crew, just everybody is just somehow worked together. And it, and it really showed on camera. I think that's how it works so well. It's just it's, it's very human, like just how the crew worked together and how that applies to how the Muppets kind of work together. And it just worked. It seemed like they've always like been together. So sometimes it's hard for me to kind of like imagine them kind of like being separate on their own ways because and I I think the first Muppet movie that I kind of remember watching as my first one was Muppets from Space and I I thought like oh they've all lived together and like you know this is something that like they're used to so when I've kind of seen some other movies where they're like not always together and I was like oh wait a minute what I love the great Muppet caper (laughs) I love that one too yeah that one's my favorite just seeing how they did the screen tests for the Muppet movie when they went out into the real world to kind of test out how to like talk to the farm animals, like the cows out in the middle of a farm field. That whole video is just hilarious. Yeah. I think, I think there's, you can get access to it on Disney plus under like the Muppet movie special features on Disney plus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's where you see it. It's quite remarkable. Let's get back into how all of these sketches are dated because when this show came out, there was a lot of variety on this show. And it is definitely a callback to vaudeville and the golden age of the Broadway musical. It's such Mm -hmm. a callback. A guy like Jim Henson who grew up with stuff like that and seeing it on television is wonderful to see in the old guard transitioning to the new guard when it comes to how television is perceived by an audience. It seemed like The Muppet Show came at just the right time for television where all of the old comedy writers for, let's say, uh, sitcoms like I Love Lucy and Mm -hmm. Bewitched and even variety shows like The Dean Martin Show, all of those old style comedy writers were now kind of transitioning and changing the guard over to something like the Muppet show, which still keeps a lot of those traditions alive. But with the Muppets, you get a completely different spin on, let's call it 
traditional entertainment. Right. And I guess one of the uniqueness or the difference about it is just you got stars that are like puppets. It's not something that you would normally see every day. And going like to talk about a little history of how like he's trying to like get Jim was trying to like get the show to prime time and like none of the new, none of the U.S. networks wanted it. So he had to like go to England to mm-hmm. get the show produced. I think it was either David Laser or uh, Lou Grodd who. Grodd, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it was either- rewatching, um, oh, what is it? The Defunct Land episode of the Muppet series. Another, uh, yeah, yeah, another thing that you could um, check out is the whole Defunct TV series of Jim mm-hmm. Henson. It's so good. It, I did watch it and it's great. The guy who produces that YouTube channel is awesome. I do, I do actually highly recommend that channel for anybody who's also looking into the history of stuff. What we're going to focus on now is try to get into the nostalgia of it all. Why we're nostalgic for all of these old traditional sketches. Like, let's talk about Menomina. Oh, yeah. Classic. I mean, I, I have video proof from my second birthday party at my parents' house, the house I grew up in, of me singing this song and performing it in my living room. That's so cute. Oh, my goodness. Now my son and I sing it to each other in the car. Oh. It's nostalgia at its finest. And a yeah. song like that is like the song everybody associates with not only just the Muppets, but also the Muppet show. Oh, yeah. They threw everything into the pot with the episode with Juliet Prowse. They threw everything in because mm-hmm. the sex and violence and Valentine's Day specials were like the pilots, quote unquote. Right. Mm-hmm. But really the episode that they threw the kitchen sink into was with Juliet Prowse. And mm-hmm. a lot of the songs from that episode are on the first Muppet album too. Let's talk about the nostalgia of those first couple of sketches. Like, right. what do you think it is about Menomina and a song like Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear and even Java, the which is actually what goes on in my head when I have nothing to do. Right, right, right. I feel I feel like it would be their song to begin with mm-hmm. because I don't know it seems like it was like made for them written for them even though they're not they just kind of like made it their own and now it's just like we just associated with the Muppets it's like it's their song look into that you know it's not and it made you think like why not it's like it's it's just, it's just perfectly tailored for them and I know like for the Java ones um, I know they've done that um, in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm during the talk show days of like mm-hmm. um, Johnny Carson and Ed Sullivan. So they yeah. used to do all that even before the Muppet show. Java definitely has run its course and stood the test of time, especially through those first two decades before the Muppet show came up. And when you get the Muppets on Saturday Night Live and it doesn't fit, it was kind of like the beginning of Jim clashing with those comedy writers for what he perceived as comedy. So he was like, well, I might as well try to do it on my own. And that's where the whole sex and violence and Valentine's day things came along it was it was basically a failed attempt at trying to get onto a sketch comedy show and in turn created his own and so we're able to get basically his free reign of what kind of content he wanted to put into his programming oh yeah funny songs like you and i and george do you remember this one i do yeah it's been a while i remember watching that actually jim and Rolf did it again. It was an interview with the Arsenio Hall. So I remember watching that and I was like, oh, that's the song that he did from the Muppet Show. 
Okay. Oh, no, I did not know that he did that again. Yeah, he did it again. And this is before, you know, that whole last episode where you had Kermit and um, Kevin Clash with Clifford. Right, right. That was before that one. From so I, Tonight, that's right. Yeah, I remember watching it. I don't remember exactly when, but I remember seeing like on YouTube, you know, how they have like the suggested videos you should watch. I clicked on that and I was like, oh, interesting. So he, you know, it was Jim talking with um, Arsenio Hall and he, he was also with um, LeVar Burton too. So yeah, he had Kermit and then Rolf another segment and then he sang the song and then after it was done i remember ask like arsenio asking um the audience what they think and then all of a sudden you hear sadler waldorf with their usual critiques on house performance i was like yep there it is the traditional m- classic muppet shows <laughs> <laughs> why do we keep coming back <laughs> <laughs> like why are you always there it's like and they had you- options to leave i don't know it's Something about, I don't know, I've seen articles from like Tough Pigs and the Mindset where they have theories about like, hmm, maybe they really like the show. Like what keeps them staying? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just, that's always going to be a mystery to me. Yeah, I feel like with Statler and Waldorf, two characters like that, I think it's they want to come back just to see how bad it's going to get. It's right. like it's like the kind of people who love to watch bad movies. Mm. Like mystery science theater 3000 something like mystery science theater there is an audience for that where they want to see bad entertainment or an attempt at something good and it just turns out terrible for either the editing or the bad acting or the sound is off or for everything i feel like statler and waldorf are those two kinds of characters to want to see how bad it's going to get so that they get something funny out of it that makes sense yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of how I envision Stadler and Waldorf now. You know, with you and I and George having that kind of unexpected comedic turn at the end yeah. with the lyrics, it's just a breath of fresh air, especially for... I was talking about TikTok the other day with a couple of streamers, and I was saying that TikTok is now the new vaudeville. Yeah. You get a mm-hmm. variety of entertainment in a very short amount of time, even shorter now, 15 seconds, 30 seconds to a yep. minute at a time. Whereas with vaudeville, you paid your ticket, you sit in the theater for a day under the air conditioning or, or fans or whatnot, and you get to watch a variety of acts and you're entertained for a day. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what The Muppet Show was for us with a half hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a testament to Jim and his team and all the crew that worked on that show to actually say, hey, 50 to 60 years ago, mind you, we're talking about the 70s at the time the Muppet Show was going on, 50 or 60 years ago, this is what was entertainment. Now that we have these characters made of felt to be able to produce a little bit more of a wide range of that kind of entertainment, let's bring it to the world. Because vaudeville was very much, I would say, in its own way, an American style of entertainment, where you have people who traveled all over the country, and then you get people coming internationally from all over the world, even in the Wild West, when they had people who traveled throughout the Wild West and doing these um, doing these dances and these skits and these sketches from, let's say, like Shakespeare or drama or comedy. Mm-hmm. But then you get vaudeville. And then you get this huge boost in variety. And The Muppet Show caters to that so well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it inspires some of the other shows, too, to go into that route. Like Animaniacs, I remember you bringing that up on mm-hmm. one of your earlier episodes. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, 
The Muppet Show kind of paved the way for shows like Animaniacs to do the same type of vaudeville type of comedy variety show. Yeah, and David and I talked about that extensively on that episode too. It all comes back around to what is going to be entertaining to people. You know, a lot of people will say if it has a good story, it's entertaining. And they're absolutely right. But with a show like The Muppet Show, and then when you get into the later seasons that the behind the scenes stuff creates the story, and then you see the sketches on on the stage, Mm there is a beautiful cohesiveness to that show that allows Jim to say, you know, I've got childhood favorite songs that I want to include in this show. Maybe oh, yeah. not everybody has heard of them, but I'm yeah. going to do them anyway. So he mm-hmm. puts in stuff like Coddleston Pie and one of my favorite segments and songs from the show, Halfway Down the Stairs, which were written oh, yeah. by A.A. A. Milne for Winnie the Pooh books. Yep. I didn't know that at the time until I saw the show. I mean, I, I learned a lot from the Muppets. Yeah, and that's exactly why we're talking today, because it's beautiful to be able to look nostalgically back at the Muppets and also be able to learn about our grandparents' nostalgia Mm -hmm. through that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a list of some favorite sketches before we even get into guest stars. Do you have any favorite sketches of yours? Veterinarian's Hospital, like the Mm -hmm. puns. And I just love seeing Ralph and Miss Piggy just kind of like going at it as as well as Janice too and like some of the other different characters that they have on the show. Mm -hmm. And the intro is just iconic. Um, The continuing story of a quack who's gone to the dogs. (laughs) It's so, it's just brilliant. I just love it. I also enjoy Pace in Space. And my favorite one where there was like just bored out of their minds and then all of a sudden like you see the Swedish chef chasing some chicken and then they like well they're gone <laughs> I, I I love it because it's just the continuing gag of that episode and you're right, right, right. Morning, morning, blue going mm-hmm. through that I love though actually there's one of my favorite moments uh that starts off pigs in space when they're like uh link hogthrob is suffering from some terrible space disease <laughs> Wait, oh. Was that like um? Was that like in the um first three seasons or in the later? It one? was in I think either the second or third season. Okay. But the fact that of course it's the seventies and you're going to add the word space in front of it because that just legitimizes everything. Right. <laughs> I think that was like, you know, kind of like a takeoff of like, you know, the whole space series, like Star Trek. I, I, I'm assuming that. Yeah, was and like some- Flash Gordon. Yeah, yeah. And all of those shows. Yeah. I mean, the Swine Trek. I mean, come yep. on. It's perfect that they continue them every week is awesome because it gives somebody a, a kind of like a shot of dopamine. If they're like, you know, watching the show being like, I really hope this sketch is on tonight because I need right. more puns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need mm-hmm. more puns. Like it's, it's perfect. There's like a whole Groucho Marx thing, you know, yeah. you want, you want to hear more. And Lydia, the tattooed lady was sung by Kermit. Yeah. Like an ode to Groucho Marx. Like this show oh, just wow. feeds off of that whole era. Yeah. And there were like some sketches too that I enjoyed from the first season that didn't really continue until later seasons. Um, I do enjoy the panel talks where they just have like the guest stars and um, trying to elevate the intelligence of our program. Exactly. I remember like the one where they have Floris Henderson on and um, they talk about was William Shakespeare actually Sir Francis Bacon and then Bacon gets offended. And I was like, that's okay. That's one of my favorite like sketches. 
mm-hmm. that they did from the first season. Definitely another segment that I wish they kind of continued on to the other seasons because I thought that had a lot of potential, you yeah. know, because television at the time was, you know, everybody watched television really purely for entertainment. And, you know, a guy like um, Edward R. Murrow, who had that half hour talk show that he had, can't remember the name of it at the moment, but they made a whole movie about it. Good night and good luck uh, mm-hmm. during the McCarthy era. So you're getting this sketch based off of taking educational series from a half hour to an hour and you're putting it on Sunday afternoons. Edward R. Morrow is like, why don't you just fire me? You know, so <laughs> the fact that the Muppets were able to actually piggyback no pun intended, piggyback, right. off yep. of, <laughs> piggyback off of that kind of experience and putting it into a variety show is really clever, especially oh, yeah. on like Jack Burns and who I always call the forever Muppet writer, Jerry Joel. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All kudos to them because yes. they're the reason we have the kind of humor that the Muppets continues to do to this day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love the Swedish chef. <laughs> I, I I enjoy his sketches like on, on the Muppet show too. I have, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the Muppets now on Disney plus. Yeah. We watched um, as a family together. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I like his segments earlier on, but like after a while, it's like, hmm, I, I prefer like the, um, how they did it on the Muppet show. He's my favorite Muppet period. Yeah. So this, the whole, goofiness of him it, mm-hmm. it, I guess there's like a little you know a little switch that goes on in my head and it's like okay it's time to be goofy now <laughs> yes. and you get him playing tennis with the meatballs and you get him with the chicken in the basket and mm-hmm. you know making the donuts with the with the, the, with, with the yeah uh the blunderbuss yes. Yes. <laughs> of all of all revolvers you pick up blunderbuss you know like oh that's how you make a donut okay right <laughs> <laughs> the Henson crew is able to pick like that kind of a prop, a pirate blunderbuss, and that's what they use for the revolver. You know, it's 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 all of those little tiny details that they put in this show that actually triggers more nostalgia, especially well, for family members who were watching with their parents, because it was, it was definitely like a family show. You know, it was adulterated, but not too adulterated that it couldn't get past the censors, but it definitely was a family show. Mm -hmm. I think that was the goal that Jim Henson wanted too, because at the time everyone knew him from like Sesame Street and some of the other stuff that he's done in the 50s and 60s, but he was trying to branch out. I was like, okay, the Muppets aren't just for kids. It's for everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up too, because that was his original intention for the show anyway, to kind of make it that he's not just associated with children's programming, that he can run a gamut of doing just entertainment, period. And out of the success of The Muppet Show, he therefore went on and created The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth and went on Mm -hmm. to other projects like The Storyteller. And then, uh, you know, once those unfortunately didn't do as well as he thought, he kind of transitioned back into The Muppets with things like The Jim Henson Hour and Muppets. tonight and you know that came a little bit later yeah getting back into some of the other sketches i love how they do these like you said before these not necessarily bittersweet moments but they take their time with the sweet moments or the moments that 
build from something very cultural as Sam the Eagle would like to see more of. Exactly. (laughs) Into something that's hysterical. But you're taking something like Beethoven where maybe somebody who wasn't, you know, brought up on Beethoven or knew about musical theater or about these beautiful pieces of classical art, you know, from, from all different kinds of cultures, you're putting everything into this bottleneck of a show and you're producing it in a way that appeals to everybody. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite moments is when Ben Vereen is singing pure imagination on the top of the rooftops. And for someone like you and me who grew up in the city, you know, it's beautiful to see them sitting on a rooftop where this whole in the heights idea of living at the top of the world. Yeah. And you're Mm -hmm. looking over this beautiful sunset being like, you know, I really wish things were better, but then here comes Ben Vereen with this beautiful little vignette on the side, having these really cool Muppets moving in such beautiful and and interesting ways, having that music playing in the back. It just brings you out of your situation and into a place where you really, truly not only will feel nostalgic later on, even though you might not have known it at the time, but into a place that just feels beautiful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, that reminded me of not Muppet Show related, but like I remember watching um, a clip of James Taylor perform up on the roof on Sesame Street. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. And it just kind of made me, you know, just love being in a city. And I, I would love to like have rooftop parties, like, you know, whenever that becomes a thing. And it's just like, oh, I want to do something like that. And just, you know, just something. Uh, I don't even know how to articulate that. Just, vibing in a way, I, I guess. Yes, if anyone, vibe. if anyone from Gen Z is listening. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> a vibe, yeah. I, yeah. I feel that vibe all is the time it? whenever I'm up on a roof or go to a roof party. It's yeah. my type of vibe. Mm -hmm. Since we're talking about these sentimental moments, I want to kind of talk about some of those that are like favorites of mine. I love in the episode with Madeline Kahn when Gonzo is singing that I don't have a coat of silk, but still I have the sky. I may not have a lady, but there goes a butterfly and he's happy to be himself. And he he takes the episode with Madeline Kahn to try and figure that out about himself. And And then when Bernadette Peters comes on and they sing Just One Person from Snoopy, who, who I actually associate with my son being born and my wife being pregnant. I chose that song to end a little variety show that I did locally in Queens one year. Oh, wow. And and that song became the ending song to the Jim Henson viewing, I guess, or like the wake that they had at the, the church. The memorial service? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, the memorial service. That's the first it. time I saw that, I cried. Same. It's, again, it was, it was something that I found on YouTube and it started out with like, you know, the Muppet performers singing Jim Henson's favorite songs. Mm-hmm. And then when they brought out the puppets, I was just like, oh, that's so sweet. And then when it got to, and if three old people, why not four? And if four old people, why not, why not more yep. and more and more? Soon as like all the other puppeteers came up on stage, waterworks. Yeah, me same, waterworks, a wash. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And I couldn't watch it again because... I hate crying, quite honestly, because, um, and uh, yeah, I just, I just hate crying. And it was like, it took me a while to kind of watch that again without crying, but I still get emotional for it. Cause it was just like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually, it, I found a, an, I found an audio, a way to make that an audio clip so I could always have it with me. So aw. I have an audio of that. It's very magical having all those performers gather together in that way and just paying tribute to basically their their friend, you know? Yeah. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. It, and it's beautiful and it's and it's so 
sad that that Jim just passed the way he did. And, you know, we don't have to get into it now. But I mean, there are so many wonderful moments like that. Speaking about the performance from the memorial service, the song that they started with. Let's get into <laughs> let's get some into some of the the funnier ones. That chicken song, the, the baby, chicken, the chicken baby, baby It's like yeah, that's that's how we work. So right, that's how we work. But that's also something that Zuri, that you and I can connect with because that's also like part of the Gen X generation because they grew up with that show too. Yeah, can connect on that. Millennials and Gen X, we we kind of have this uh, almost similar way of finding the humor in that silliness of it, yeah. where where we was we we weren't as I guess the term would be precocious as some of like the younger millennials or Gen Z is, and that's not to put anybody down by any means, but there's a certain decorum to that kind of silly humor yeah. that it's kind of like a language to all of us like having it's the so chickens timeless and it's like it's, yeah that's the word yeah. timeless it's yeah. it's not stuck in anything and the chickens at the piano the <laughs> do, 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 do. that always cracked me up yeah it's timeless entertainment it doesn't it is yeah it doesn't have any kind of time mark it's not rooted in anything current it seems like a callback and yet you can still watch it today and it doesn't need to be rooted in anything that has any kind of continuity to it or anything that's built upon it. It was just there for its own sake and mm-hmm. it's just there to be entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's just genius. It is genius. Do you have any favorite songs from the show? I do love Halfway Down the Stairs. That's that's always a sweet one. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many songs. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing how they were able to get, you know, we're able to like perform all these songs ranging from like pop, musical theater. I remember like learning about comedy tonight and I didn't realize it was from a Stephen Sondheim show. And I was like, oh. right, Forum. Yeah. Yeah, from Forum. Yeah. Well, the two right now that stick to my mind were um, For What It's Worth. We have like um, all like the animals kind of like just singing about about hunters trying to like, you know, shoot up animals. And it's like, they, they went deep with that one. It was just like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And then that made me look, look at to the to the original song and how that kind of relates to the time back then and also how it applies to right now yeah with the vietnam war back then yeah absolutely and And i actually i wrote down for what it's worth as well here in my notes of like my favorite sketches and i love how they turned it at the end to not keep that kind of tone going because that song kind of happens almost more towards the beginning middle of the show you know so you still had a lot of sketches and songs left Mm -hmm. so the fact that they were able to flip it and have these hunters trying to take down tractors and cars and trucks moving on the road like that's a really great segue into keeping the show lighthearted, but also touching on something that was happening at the time yeah and that's the brilliance of that show's writing as well is Mm -hmm. you, you can kind of levitate the gravity of the situation with something very simple as changing the point of view yeah and also getting their point across with that song Mm -hmm. i also love when they do the lullaby of broadway in the arctic yeah i enjoy that one too it's so far removed from broadway and that's the Mm -hmm. funny part about it but here are eskimos pretty much in the arctic singing about broadway Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might be in the middle of the desert in Arizona, or you might be in 
rainy Washington state, or you might be in a farm field in South Dakota and you're into that kind of stuff. And Broadway just seems like worlds away. And then here's this sketch that gives you something to engage with and relate with. Again, we're talking about being relatable. Mm -hmm. Here are these Eskimos in the Arctic singing about the lullaby of Broadway. Yeah. That's what the show catered to. It was, it, it catered to international audiences. Oh yeah. I loved when they did a couple of the cover songs, but I love Dr. Teethy and Electric Mayhem and yeah. how they're able to take, you know, songs like Tenderly and make them like these Chicago-esque, like wild songs, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. completely warp them. But then you can also take like New York State of Mind by Billy Joel. I love that one. That's That was the first time I've heard that song was because of the Muppets. Again, I learned stuff from them every day. The way that... Um, was it Floyd sing that yeah. song? And also, mm-hmm. you know, testament to Jerry Nelson's talent. It's just, oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite arrangements of New York State of Mind. I, I just love it so yeah. much. Especially also with Zoot on the sax and everything. I love yeah. Zoot. <laughs> they turned to mm-hmm. Zoot. Zoot, no, no, it's all good. Plane hasn't landed yet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, we're starting to get into like guest stars here and there. So yeah. definitely Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear. My That's a cute one. I like that one. My mother loves that song. And when she heard it years later, when I was listening to it, she's like, oh my gosh, I love this song. It was on your cassette tape when you were like a baby and you and I would listen to that all the time. Aww. And because of that, that connection that my mother has with me, I actually named my Muppet Whatnot that I got from FAO Schwartz, the old FAO Schwartz in New York City, Simon Smith. Oh, wow. So my Muppet right here that I have next to me is a tribute in a way to not only the Muppet show, but also to the songs and to the sketches and also to the connection I have with my mother. So it's really cool that I uh, am able to have something physically representative of that. That's amazing. I I want my own Muppet now. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of fun. Let's start talking about some of the guest stars. Okay. Who are some of your favorite guest stars? Okay. Right now, my top five are Rita Moreno, which by the way, she won her Emmy award for being a guest star on the Muppet show. That's right. For the sketch she did with um, Animal uh, Fever. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Lena Horne. Um, I just thought that episode was a sweet episode. And I love my, one of my favorite musical numbers that she did was um, when she and the Muppets sang, sing from Sesame Street. It was funny. I did not realize it at the time. Cause I, I remember like watching it for the first time and I was, I hear this familiar tune like, and then she starts talking a little bit like, oh, there's this children's show that I really enjoy. Maybe you've heard of Sesame Street. And as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, it's sing. I know this song now. That's one of my favorites too. Yeah. I mean, I just love that song in general. It's it's just so beautiful. Um, It's a great song and you can do it in so many different languages. And, and Mm -hmm. again, credit to Joe Raposo for writing beautiful music, not only for children, but also for adults to be able to watch Sesame street with their kids and be able to enjoy it together. Yeah. Sing with Lena Horne. Great segment. And I love Lena Horne. Lena Horne is just beautiful too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gilda Radner. I just loved her episode. I love Gilda <laughs> and, like, um, and her her documentary in her life on Hulu is incredible. Mm-hmm. And also, there's another documentary um, going back to Joe Raposal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called um, Sing Celebrate Sesame Street Celebrates the Life of Joe Raposal. I'll have to look uh, into that one. On 
Yeah, it's it's so good. It's, it was produced from everyone on Sesame Street and include the episode, uh, include um, interviews with Jim Henson and like all like even like different songwriters who wrote for Broadway and he, and how he was like good friends with like Frank Sinatra and so many other people. And it was just like, wow, like what a life, man. Yeah, and that's like, pretty and he wrote awesome. All these songs. That's, yeah, this is a beautiful tribute that they put together for him. It's I'll just have wonderful. to check that out. I love the uh, the Tap Your Troubles Away segment with Gilda Radner. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, my actually my favorite one of, of that episode was um when she sang uh was it Pirates of Penzance? No. I, that yeah, might be wrong. Th- it's um it's uh Modern Major General. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Gilbert and just, Sullivan. I, I, yeah, and with like the giant carrots that just came out of the blue. <laughs> I was like this, like this is random, but like this is funny and like it just works and i love how you know because you know she used to work with the muppets on snl and even though they kind of parted ways they were able to like bring her on to the show and i thought that was like a nice touch and she even like brought like one of her iconic characters to like introduce the show she's like what why is this called the muffin show and it's gonna have to be like it's it's not the muffin show it's the muppet show oh that's very different (laughs) never mind mind. I love it. Yeah. yeah I'm, and I'm glad that they actually were able to incorporate her characters as well. Cause she was yeah. just such a amazing human being mm-hmm. went through a lot. And I'm just, yeah. Gilda Radner. Definitely. Yeah. And who's another one of your favorites? Um, I love the Steve Martin episode. Just the fact that. Um... We're going to talk about that too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just the fact that like they still had a show, even though. It was not your traditional show. I just love that whole aspect of that. And he was like a trooper, even though like, I love how it kind of like slowly building up his anger, be like, hey, how could like, no one told me like the show was canceled. It's like, well, I like, what am I around here? Nothing. And then he goes like, goes into his favorite line, like, well, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> I learned a fact, and I'm sure you know this fact too, but for our listeners out there, if you happen to watch the Steve Martin episode when it comes to Disney Plus, all of the laughter that you're going to hear in that episode is not laugh tracked. It is actually the crew and other cast members just watching the yep. show and laughing in the background. I enjoy that because it's, it's still the same show, but like, we're going to like kind of change it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's one of the few episodes that they actually did that too. And also mm-hmm. the, the episode with Loretta Lynn, where they're on the, at, uh, at the train station, on the train station track. I enjoyed yeah. that one too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. When they just get a change of scenery and everything's a little different. Yeah. I love it. But the, the Steve Martin show, that episode was so it was something completely different for them. And the mm-hmm. fact that they wanted to take that route and just kind of experiment with it, what better way than with an improv guy and a prop guy like Steve Martin? Yep. Absolutely. And I also got to learn how how Steve Martin is, is as a musician. It was just like, oh, like, I didn't know that. Like, I just knew him as an actor and comedian. But I didn't know he, like, he played music. Yeah, and played the banjo. And he's a, he was a really good banjo player. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, years later, we find out that like he's he wrote music to a Broadway musical, and it was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. like wow. Do you have any other guest stars off the top of your head, or yeah, um, go for it. Wally Bogue. Um, Wally Bogue. I don't know if I got to that one in my. I saw that one on YouTube. It, I think it's okay. season four, or season five, but he okay. is um, famous for. He's a Disneyland legend. He used to be like a magician. I think he was. I think it was a mentor of Steve Martin's too, because I know they worked at Disneyland around. The, the name sounds time. very familiar. Yeah, they're 
there was also like the special wonderful world of disney special where they recorded like a show that they would do at the golden horseshoe at disneyland okay. it's like one of those like western comedy shows i don't remember the exact song but they actually recreated that a little bit of that scene into oh, the Muppet cool. show and i i i enjoyed it and it was just really cool how they did that he got to do all the classic sketches and tricks that he would do mm-hmm. and it was just it's just really fun let's see another guest star that i enjoy of course, some um, Julie Andrews, Marinette Peters, Ethel Merman, all the classic yeah, I mean, legends. Julie Andrews, that episode is very nostalgic for me because, like I said before, it was on a VHS tape in my grandparents' home. Mm-hmm. And I would watch that episode all the time. And just kind of seeing her out of her Mary Poppins element, because, you know, yeah. as a kid, it's hard for you to associate one with the other. Yeah. But watching the Julie Andrews episode as a kid in my grandparents' home, very nostalgic for me because, you know, watching an episode like that along with like the Brooke Shields episode and the Bob Hope episode Mm-hmm. the smell of the house and you know just me being able to have like a sleepover with my yeah. grandparents and those kinds of nostalgic memories all surrounding uh, fused together with watching this episode mm-hmm. the lonely goat herd sketch and yeah. the, the song and then the the cannonball going back and forth oh yeah yeah <laughs> And then later towards the end of the episode, she was like, oh, I have this cow that I kind of love backstage. And then was seen, I was like, wait, that was your cow? Right. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, Julie Andrews episode is great. I loved Ethel Merman. Yeah. I mean, what a talent to bring on to that show. Mm-hmm. And, and that, speaking of vaudeville, what we oh, were yeah. talking about before, mm-hmm. what a perfect performer to bring on to showcase to the world hey this this is one of the pioneers of what we're doing right now like Mm -hmm. this is wild (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah there were other like legends that they brought along too like um oh gosh edgar bergen was another one of um edgar bergen yeah yeah i mean the the whole muppet movie was dedicated to edgar bergen yeah that's right yeah and uh and that they sing from oliver consider yourself at home i thought that that was a really great moment yeah yeah and it just worked because like you know they're like part of like family of like, you know, puppets who've done entertainment. Yeah. Just, the puppeteers and the performers. And then Fozzie tries to do it with the dummy later. And yeah. Aren't yeah. you working? <laughs> like, why don't you talk? He won't talk to me. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, here's what you need to know about ventriloquism. <laughs> and, and Edgar Bergen going, dating back, oh my gosh, decades, you know, mm-hmm. and him being one of the first people actually using, utilizing film and television yep. to bring some kind of legitimacy of dummy puppeteering to mainstream audiences. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and also in Fun and Fancy Free from Disney, him being a guest to talk, uh, be the narrator for Making the Beanstalk. You know, you've already mm-hmm. got yourself established, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. If you go back in, into Disney Plus and watch Fun and Fancy Free in the second segment, he is like helping to host a birthday party for, uh, I forget her name, but she was like a Disney darling. There's a whole segment with him and Charlie McCarthy and it's just, it's wonderful. You should definitely go back and look it up. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah cool. Some of my other favorites. Well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention one of my wife's favorite guest stars, Mr. Vincent Price. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) That's the first episode that they actually catered the entire show around the guest star. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's how awesome Vincent Price is. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. The whole Halloween theming and uh, you can't get more 
nostalgic than talking about classic horror films than that episode. I think that also inspired the Alice Cooper episode as well, which I really enjoyed. I enjoyed that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. But Vincent Price coming on and doing the little narrations and just hearing his voice for all of the older generation watching that show at the time. What a Mm -hmm. callback to those horror flicks that they saw in the movie homes and the movie houses, you know, just hearing that iconic voice. And for us having that in Michael Jackson's thriller, you know, it mm -hmm. has become so synonymous with that, that niche that the episode being catered around him was such a fitting touch to a guy like him. Oh, absolutely. There's a couple of guest stars that I want to briefly touch upon. Um, The final recorded episode of the Muppet show was with Gene Kelly. Right. I, I did. I've seen clips of that one. Yeah, I've seen clips as well, because I just we, uh, of course, we've watched heavily the episodes that were on DVD. And this is a mm-hmm. season five episode. But knowing that he was the final guest star to record that show. What a fitting ending to a production of that. Yeah. Quality of a show. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring on the guy who pretty much brought musical theater to the blue collar worker you know because he was the proletariat style of dancer Mm -hmm. and for him to be on the show uh, just doesn't get better than that yeah and then like the whole running gag about them trying about the muppets trying to get him to sing singing in the rain and (laughs) the very fast moment of the show yep yep and i love how like they have raw kind of like you know play like certain chords of yeah, the vamp the vamp yeah yeah and that, that led to other songs and other <laughs> songs and then finally right. i'm singing in the rain yep that's it's great and again a credit to jerry joel for doing that kind of writing yeah. um liberace oh yeah so i i wanted to talk about liberace now i want to kind of talk again about how the show reached audiences all over the world and you know talking again about you know how there would be villages with just one television and then there would be like 20 to 30 people trying to gather around this one television Mm -hmm. to watch the show and then you get a guy like Liberace to come on and be like, this is a first for me. I am doing an entire piano concert dedicated to the birds. Here's a guy dressed to the nine, as Liberace can only do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also credit to Elton John as well. But yes, I, I, was, I was gonna mention Elton John too. That was another one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, well, let's tap into that. Elton John, okay, okay. what a great show because he didn't want to do all of the extravagant costumes and everything that he's known for on that yeah. show. But honestly, you didn't really have a choice in the matter with a show as zany as The Muppets. But even with that, there's like, I think one costume where he was like all out with it. And the other ones were just like, you know, I thought were like pretty casual and like, you know, totally fit with the 70s time zone. But like every everyone else was like kind of out there and kind of like, again, going back to like the balance of craziness and silliness. Mm-hmm. It just worked. Yeah. And- for the elaborate way that Elton John performed his concerts and everything, it totally worked. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And especially with Dr. Teeth. Mm-hmm. Ugh, those, that band would have fit Elton John at a concert any day. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then oh. like, as they were saying, like saying goodbye, they have like all like these weird like costumes. And then like he comes on and they go like, boy, Elton, you look weird. I was like, actually, you guys look weirder than he does right now. And <laughs> like, you, just, you guys dress like selling cars. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that one. I like that one. 
Yeah. I'm a sucker for puns. So this show is, <laughs> this is why this show is a top 10 favorite show for me, full stop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting back to Liberace, um, you're, you're seeing this guy dressed to the nine and he explains his rings and everything. And he goes, well, you ought to know you bought them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Having people who might not be able to experience sitting down in a grand theater, watching a piano concert, having something that intimate be available to you at the time was was beautiful and i think you have to give credit to jim for you know being a guy who will sit in an hbo executive office talking to them about fraggle rock being like let's make a show that brings peace to the world they're all going to turn to each other and say okay that's kind of like what liberace's episode kind of touched upon which then in turn leads me to two of my kind of favorite, well, two or three of my favorite episodes. The one with Brooke Shields, mm. where they do the whole Alice in Wonderland theme around yeah. her and her being the youngest guest star at the time. Yep. Did yeah. she also help build a puppet? Um, yes, she did. And I forget which one it was, but she did help to build a puppet. Yes, that's why we're talking today. <laughs> 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 that's how we know things yes yes and and actually brooke shields episode is also one of the ones that i grew up watching uh very nostalgically at my grandparents house and the cast of star wars yeah we love a crossover episode i mean that that was the biggest thing in the world i mean take take one of the biggest shows in the world with basically the film that changed how we make films mm-hmm. and put them together i mean come on a guy like mark hamill yep super talented and he just he made it his own oh yeah he totally and I, love, I love how like, I don't know, I guess the irony of like the Muppets and Star Wars characters singing When You Wish Upon a Star is like, oh man. What irony. <laughs> <laughs> Coming Come February 19th to Disney Plus. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, um, I, I also think the Sylvester Stallone episode is very good because when Rocky came out, you know, Sly was like this big, hunky, tough guy and, you know, this underdog story. But then you get a beautiful song at the end of that episode of him singing a bird in a gilded cage and everybody Aww. weeping at the end, singing this song together and seeing Sly dressed to the nine in this old, you know, like make him laugh kind of yeah. costume. What a, what a great touch yeah i need to check that one out again yeah this macho guy and he's singing this sweet song (laughs) oh wow yeah uh it's one of my favorite moments but i wanted to actually kind of wrap everything up talking about my favorite episode of the muppet show do you have a favorite episode oh my gosh I mean, there's, there's so, so many. many. I know there's so many, but I do want to talk about mine. And maybe if it, and if you have watched, it, I'm sure you have because you have the DVD. My favorite episode of the Muppet Show is the one with Harry Belafonte. Oh, I was gonna bring him up too. That was yeah, yeah. I I want to talk about that as we kind of wrap things up and wind things down. Yeah. So the episode with Harry Belafonte. First of all, the opening segment where Kermit's kind of reading what Fozzie wrote, leggies and jingle fins, well, Carm again, tidy mupple shocks. This is Kermit the Forg. The Forg? The Forg? <laughs> He's like, it's funny. It's all right. You know? <laughs> that was a great, that's actually one of my favorite openings of the, the show because yeah. I would totally do that to my friends. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that when he said Kermit the Forg, it reminded me of a clip that Kermit did on Sesame Street where like he was trying to get the shirt that says Kermit the Frog but it ends up saying like Kermit the Forg or the, like mess up the word frog. Okay. And Kermit kind of like 
loses his mind and he goes like, no, I Kermit the Frog and I wanted to Kermit the Frog t-shirt. Right, right. And then um, <laughs> he's pulling out the shirts and then finally he goes like, hey, do we have a Kermit the Frog t-shirt? Oh yeah, that'll be ready next Thursday. <laughs> it's, I remember watching that like on a Sesame Street tape and then when and then when I saw that clip and it was like Kermit the Frog, I was like, oh, there we go. Yeah. Yep, it all, all comes around. <laughs> It all comes back around. Uh huh. That's the that's the nostalgic magic of it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I go with my own puns again. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Deo, Harry Belafonte, basically singing that song like that on TV for the first time in that kind wow. of setting, and then of course Fozzie quote unquote ruins it by like <laughs> constantly interrupting and getting the timing wrong of the of singing day. Yep. Day. <laughs> Like, so there's like seven of them. And Harry's like, stay with me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ralph and Lou with his uh, boomerang fish. They sing T for two backwards. You're right, you're right. The whole episode is wonderful. I also like when Harry Belafonte and Animal have the drum duet. Yep. So when he's the original got, verses. Yes, they have the huge drum for Harry and mm-hmm. Animal's on the drum set. And they're trying to go off of yep. each other. And it's just a great moment. And, you know, back then, a lot of people didn't really know about that kind of culture. You know, not everyone right. is as precarious as nowadays where we have the internet at our fingertips. So for everyone to see that kind of culture mm-hmm. mixed with what everyone at the time was very familiar with in you know terms of music, it was so nice to see that bridging of the gap between Animal yeah, and Harry Belafonte. Which in turn brings me to the final moments of this show. Mm. The last song of the show. It, it's, it, it's actually my favorite moment of the entire series of the show. Mm-hmm. And when Harry Belafonte starts to talk about like going into Africa, you know, and he's going to Guinea and he went deep into the interior of the country and, and he's in a little village and he meets with the storyteller. He begins to tell this story about the fire, which means the sun, about the water and the earth. And he pointed out that all of these things put together turn the world around mm-hmm. yeah i like how they start off with perry talking to Fozzie, and then slowly each character comes up and just kind of gather around him and then how it transitions to the song it was just like ooh. i mean it, it gives me goosebumps and i get teary-eyed thinking about it because it's it's the muppet show is very synonymous with my going to my grandparents house and mm-hmm. just about four days ago my grandfather passed suddenly so it's kind of interesting how I scheduled us talking about The Muppet Show. And it's just one of those things that I heavily and nostalgically connect with my grandparents and going to their house. Sure. Continuing on with Harry Belafonte saying that, you know, in the time that we're here, it, we're here for a very short time, a very, very short time. And there really isn't any difference in any of us if we take time to understand each other. And the question is, do I know who you are? Do you know who I am? Do we care about each other? Because if we do, together, we could turn the world around. Mm. uh, It's just the moment of that show that really connects me with everything that's happened in the past year. And all of the people out there who are really trying to continue to turn the world around and ask Mm -hmm. the smart questions and ask each other, hey, let's just sit down and talk with each other. And just be yeah. able to figure out what it is. And being able to do podcasting like this is yeah. 
technology has reached a point where we could do that from anywhere in the world and not just have it be on a telephone. We can be able to make time capsules of these moments. Talking about the Muppets was a no-brainer, but also talking about just bridging everything together like this. Well, I love how in both times Harry Belafonte, you know, performed it again, or at least brought it up during like the Jim Henson tributes um, Mm -hmm. in the special, the Muppets celebrate Jim Henson, of course, at his memorial service and how their like his ideas was like so in tune with Jim Henson's as well and like how they kind of like it just comes together and like trying to like make the world a better place and always makes makes me think of like this Jim Henson quote where something about like I want to try like make a difference in the world and I feel like I hope my leaving here will be a better world because of it and he definitely has and for me being born like two years after like he's gone and his works still has made an impact on my life it's like literally the Muppets have like really tremendously impacted my life personally and I'm just forever grateful for it. I would have to agree with you. It has impacted my life in more ways than one and it's impacted how I view entertainment and how I would like to be as a performer, you know, like tapping into, you know, our craft, you know, pretty much and how the two of us create our art and create the entertainment that we do for people because it's so important. It's so important to have that kind of release that kind of escape if you will into something Mm -hmm. but also staying grounded in what's really important yeah not to get too far down you know on final thoughts of the show but I mean my son's favorite moment of watching each of the episodes that I've been watching is wondering what Gonzo is going to do with the trumpet as the (laughs) song comes down (laughs) I mean, like, and there's like, you know what, there's like some episodes that like, you know, some of us haven't even seen yet, you know, with episodes with seasons four and five, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, what are the things he's going to do with like the trumpet and with Selena Swole and Sue's during that opening. Mm-hmm. And even like with the closing credits, what puns or jokes Statler and Waldorf are going to say. Right. Like, I always wait for those. <laughs> and actually at the beginning of the Harry Belafonte episode, Stadler and Waldorf are like, I've seen enough. We're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Even like with the Danny Kaye episode too, they just like bailed. And right, they, they bailed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, wait, where are they? <laughs> here. And then like Floyd and Janice kind of like, just kind of take over and give their critique of the show. It's not as harsh as like Stadler and Waldorf normally is. Yeah. But, you know, they've, they've got comments on the show that they work on as well. So yeah. that was always a refresher just to kind of check that out from a different perspective. Seeing the show coming to Disney Plus is going to be wonderful, f- again, for my son and I, and also my wife to see the other episodes that we haven't really gotten to watch, you know, with comfort yet because they weren't released. So it's going to be really right. cool to see see his reaction her reaction, see what I've been missing out on and being able to get a a reaffirmation of its impact on our pop culture and our, our society. Because Jim is one of the four people in my life that are like icons, like who do I look up to? And Jim is one of those four people. And Mm -hmm. the fact that he really did see the world in a way that is unbefitting in the sense of like, oh, you're living in a fantasy world. Jim somehow kept his idea grounded that we really can 
try to make things better if we just listen to each other. And even mm-hmm. though there's going to be a lot of things that go wrong, which they did for him, somehow yeah. he was this hopeful optimist and and that's just how he was. It's just how he viewed everything. And it's definitely something that my son is going to learn from this show is that no matter how bad things get, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be all right. And we just, I think that's the essence of the show as well. Cause you got like things like could go wrong or have gone wrong like all the time in that show, but somehow it all works. That was beautifully put. I absolutely agree. And now my son's going to have nostalgia for watching this show from the 70s and 80s. And I'm really, I'm really excited to see how he's going to remember all of this down the road, you know? Right. I just cross my fingers as a parent that I'm able to help make good memories for him and help, you know, his nostalgia to blossom and and that he'll only remember the good stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And Zuri, that I think we've, we've pretty much wrapped it up. Wow. I'm really happy that we did it together and I'm really glad and honored that you were on this episode with me. Uh, I miss you terribly. I miss you too. Yeah. It's been forever. It's been like years since we've like seen each other in person. I know. Well, thank you internet for allowing us to do this together. I know. <laughs> Zuri, you are a wonderfully talented individual and performer. Where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Zuri and T on Instagram. It's my full name, Zuri and Kosi Terrell, all one word. I'm on TikTok at Zuri and T 92. I'm also on YouTube slash Zuri and T. And I have a website, Zuri I try to be accessible now all over the internet, as we say, slowly but surely working my way there. I'm, I'm, still in the development of working on my Facebook page publicly at the moment. Just Google my name, find me. Wonderful. And listeners, I'm going to drop all of Zuri's links down in the description below. So please be able to check her out. She's doing a lot of great work. Like she said in the beginning of the episode, she's going to be doing a lot of Zoom shows and performances. So please, I encourage you to check her out because she is a wonderful human being. And again, Zuri, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an honor. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This, this was a lot of fun. Bye. A really big thanks again to Zuri for coming onto the podcast and talking about one of our favorite shows of all time, The Muppet Show, now available on Disney+. Remember, you can find all of Zuri's links down in our podcast description, as well as all of the links for It's Nostalgic Magic. You have your choice of entertainment all over the world, and I am humbled and proud that you choose It's Nostalgic Magic as a continued source of your entertainment. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other, for whenever you remember why. Bye, everybody.